0: Pork will always play an integral part of my menu. And that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm just going to try to get the best produce and use it to the best of my ability. So yeah, but pork will definitely show big showcase throughout it. I think I'm my first, I'm doing Friday a la carte lunches out there. And I think I've got two pork I- items on there already. So,
1: This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. In food, people often want to know what someone's favourite restaurant is, or their favourite dish, and sometimes even their favourite ingredient to cook with. For Liam Downs, it's an absolute no-brainer. The pig offers too many opportunities to pass up as his favourite. Liam, how are you?
0: I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: It's good to get you on the show. Uh, you have a great love of the pig. Tell us a bit about that. What's, what's so great about it as an ingredient?
0: Um, basically my whole career I've I've worked in places or or been around you know pork and just for me it's the love of love of using the whole animal um, I think it's the most versatile animal you can use and I just the variety of things you can do with it, it just, yeah, it's, it's endless. And for me, it's something that I've just loved cooking with my whole career.
1: Is there uh, any, any sort of cut in particular that you zero in on when you've sort of done the whole beast butchery that you love to cook and eat?
0: Um, we use, so at our restaurant, one of our restaurants, Moon and Mountain, we use the hock. Um, we do a pressed hock, Asian style. Um, that one's been on the menu for six years. I haven't been able to take it off. Um but also the tail, I love using the tail, I love using the head. Um, I just love the obscure cuts that you've got to really work with.
1: Um, tell us a little bit about the tail and what you do with it. You know, that's, that's not often, you know, a part of the pig that's, that you see on menus. Um, what, what do you do?
0: We, um, I learned a technique years ago where we, we brine them and then cook them slowly In a stock, and then you know, once it's out, you pull the bones out, and we turned them into croquettes. So, like, crumbed them up, and and it was just, yeah, just that gelatinous, beautiful meat that you get from the tail that no one really knows about. So, yeah, it's just a favourite. It's something that no one really tastes, and they see it on a menu and they think, oh, tail, and then you taste it, and
1: it's it just blows people away. Uh, you, you're in um, Ballarat, an um, amazing place. Tell us a bit about the, the region and, and what it's like as a, as a food bowl.
0: Um, so I've been here for on and off for nearly 20 years now. And I'm actually, I grew up not far from here. So about 45 minutes from Ballarat. Um, over the time, the food the food region and the bowl and the and the producers have just just grown significantly I guess it's due to demand and it also being such a you know fertile rich area um in terms of potatoes and vegetables and everything cheeses there's there's just a vast array um that I don't think I think it was kind of not known for a long time as well so just being able to kind of over the years seek little places out and, you know, new producers. And it's just, yeah, it's a great place to to cook. You, you've you got no, you know, there's no end to what you can cook with up here.
1: You mentioned that you grew up about 45 minutes from Ballarat. To Take us back to what life was like for you as a kid and, and what sort of role did food play for you?
0: So, food was a massive part of my life. So, my mum and dad owned a small country hotel, a small pub. So, I grew up when my bedroom was literally five metres from the kitchen. Um, grew up in a pub. Um, as I've met a few kids over my journey, a few guys that have grown up with the same kind of, in the same kind of setting. And it's, yeah, it was pretty unique setting to grow up in. Obviously, mum and dad worked tirelessly. They were always busy. Um, and it really taught me work ethic and showed me, you know, what, what can be done with food. And as I said, it was just a small country pub, but mum and dad did a lot of the cooking. They're both fantastic cooks. So yeah, growing up in that setting, I probably I was probably born into the role, so to speak. So I didn't really have a choice.
1: Is there any sort of feasts or dishes that you recall from from within the family of growing up?
0: Yeah, every so mum and dad had Wednesday nights and Sunday nights off. So they'd work they as I said, they worked tirelessly. They worked incredibly hard, but Wednesday night was always our night to sit down and dad would get a and I fill it in, or he'd, you know, he'd make a beef Wellington. He makes an amazing beef Wellington. Um, he'd make the pate, and he'd do all sorts of stuff. So, like, for me, that that Wednesday night was always pretty cherished. Um, we loved, we loved when Dad, both Mum and Dad, amazing cooks. So either one of them would cook something pretty special, um, and we'd sit down as a family. It was kind of our ritual because they worked so hard. So, yeah. Also, my grandma was a, an outstanding cook. So Christmas christmas lunches and anytime you went to grandma she made she made amazing pies and all sorts of stuff so i've had a i've had it in my family my whole life
1: did is there anything specific that you remember your grandma making that sort of you have fond memories of
0: yeah her pies were her pies little pies she made were outstanding um her roasts all sorts of stuff like i'd go and stay with her and she'd make me a steak sandwich that was just blow your mind like it was just yeah she just put a lot of love into her cooking her desserts all sorts of stuff she was just she was just a great cook
1: where did you start to cut your teeth and sort of begin a career sort of in the kitchen
0: yeah so I helped obviously living in the pub mum mum would get busy and you know if it was a Wednesday night and she she'd do 70 people then she'd need a hand so from 13 14 I was in the kitchen helping mum doing larder and all sorts of things like that. And then I guess the natural progression was I kind of realized I wanted to be a chef. So Ballarat was 45 minutes away. So I came up here and worked as a kitchen hand for a couple of years um, at Craig's Royal Hotel. And that kind of solidified that I wanted to do it. Um, People were warning me about late nights and all that stuff, but I really fell in love with it. Um, And yeah, working as a kitchen hand, I didn't wash dishes for long. I kind of was pushed up up the line, so to speak, as as a kitchen hand, and kind of cut my teeth really early. And that was, yeah, I guess that set set in cement that I wanted to do it.
1: Uh, you you, t- you took off from um, from the region for a little while. Tell us about it. at that period of time and sort of what impact it had on you, sort of being in Melbourne.
0: Yeah. So I, I took off. I was I was working my way through. There's a large hotel chain up here that I was working at at the time, and I kind of felt. I'd been elevated to a, an executive chef position really young, and I was only twenty three twenty four and i I'd, I'd kind of pushed myself to do it, and I was doing a great job but i I found holes in my abilities and I found you know I, th- I thought oh, there's got to be more, so yeah, I took off down to Melbourne for a while um and just yeah just it wasn't for super long to be honest, but it was it was probably the little kick I needed to really push my food I guess and just see what else there was out there. I'd been kind of ticking along for a while, and then yeah, the next thing I know, I was in Melbourne working crazy hours with with amazing chefs. So that was yeah, that was um, a big push in my career. Well,
1: what was it like for you personally making that shift sort of to the big city? Was it hard to adjust to? Yeah,
0: it was. It was hard to adjust to. I, I I actually lived with my grandma for a month or two when I first got down there. Um, and it was it was a it was a big change for a country boy. Um. But in saying that, I'd spend a lot of my time in the city, so it wasn't like I was moving there without any knowledge. But yeah, it was a big shift in in mindset from getting up and driving your car to work to catching trams and trains, and you know, the hours were long, and it was it was a definite mindset change, and you know, trying to work out where you fit in the big the big scheme of things, I guess.
1: Hmm. Well. Cool. Tell us about coming back to Ballarat. What's What's been the sort of real key venues and moments for you sort of as you have built your career?
0: So I came back to Ballarat and I just kind of tinkered along for a, a year or two. I was, I just had, the reason I came back to Ballarat was my partner was living up here and I was living down there and she she had, a we had our first child. So the move back to Ballarat was purely a family reason. I um, obviously wanted to, the, the thought of, bringing up a child in the city for me, moving back to Ballarat was kind of made sense to me. So um, moved back to Ballarat, tinkered along for a while, just while my son was, you know, in that young, early, early years. And then I got offered a position of a redeveloped hotel in Ballarat the George. Um, And that kind of, we, it was just in the beginning, Ballarat's food scene was kind of stagnant. And, you know, I brought back some techniques and things from Melbourne. And I guess that I, we we did really well, and it was re- really well re- received. So I I did that for a few years, and then I had the opportunity to go back to Craig's, so where I started my apprenticeship. And a- Ian Curley, Ian Curley was had taken on a consultancy chef role there, and one of the apprentices that I'd started with Shannon Easton, he was actually the uh, head chef at the time. So went back to Craig's, and that just kind of was the final, I guess, the final part of that stage of my training, like working with Ian Curley and just seeing how he runs multiple venues and and the way he operates was super important for my learning. So, um, yeah, I did that for a few years and then I got offered uh, with my current business partner, Teddy Powlett. So he was opening Moon and Mountain, which was a new Asian restaurant in Ballarat and, um, no one had really been doing anything like that at the time. It was that Chin Chin kind of esque vibe? And we we opened up, and it just it, it just took off. And probably yeah, probably one of the biggest restaurant openings I've ever done. I've done a few, but it was just crazy. It was booked out for months in advance, and yeah, we just we just found something the Ballarat had been looking for cocktails and you know fun casual dining but the food was really good and yeah we just we I guess we nailed it from day one and it just blew up took off from there
1: well I want to explore that a bit more in a sec but I can't let um Ian Curley pass up do you have any stories of um what it's like working with Ian Curley
0: uh, he's a very exuberant man and he, he knows what he wants and it was it was an honor to work for him to be honest it was um hard work of course we were incredibly busy and um we we worked really hard but we had fun as well and he taught us a lot along the way and it was yeah it was a great experience i loved working under him
1: tell us about the development of your food during that time you mentioned that throughout the kitchens that you've worked in that pork has played a big role um do you remember any sort of dishes you know from the george or craigs you know where pork featured that sort of exemplified your cooking at that time
0: um we we use western plains pork at the time and it's one of the best pork products i've ever used so to have that on board and use them as a um as a supplier we we could we could do a lot of things with it so um, one of ian Curley's classic dishes he bought up was his cotaletta um we did a yeah we did a really really beautiful pork cotoletta. um we did riettes, all sorts of things, just once again using using the pig and and using it to a, to the best of our abilities.
1: Um, you mentioned that you um, love that sort of the whole beast butchery. T- take us through sort of breaking down a, the whole pig and sort of what's required.
0: One of one of the funny stories when I was at Sofitel actually was that we'd have suckling pigs come in, and the boys it'd be a competition to see who could break the beast down. The quickest and that was always great fun to watch. So yeah just just breaking it down, getting cuts in. Um, we work closely with Mick Nunn as well up here who's a I think he's a pork champion. Um, so yeah just just getting the cuts in and or getting the whole pig in um, was always fun to break it down and you know utilize every part of it.
1: You mentioned um, the success of Moon and Mountain and the impact on Ballarat, but these days you're kind of at the helm of multiple venues. Tell us a little bit about sort of what you're doing right at the moment.
0: Yes, yeah, so with the success of Moon and Mountain, we we kind of had people coming to us for jobs, and we that this region was starting to thrive. So we um we just took the ball and ran with it, and um, as a as a group, which is the Powlett Group, we we opened. In the last seven years, we've opened six venues. One of them we actually have closed now, but we opened um, Moon and Mountain, Winner Winner, which was a fried chicken place. Um, we had a we have a bar called Renard, which is a wine bar serving just you know really beautiful snacks and that sort of thing. Um, we have Ragazzoni in the group, which is a pasta pasta bar, which um, which blew up the same as Moon and Mountain. Um, we got a chef's hat last year for that one. Um, and we have Wayward Winery, which is a winery just 45 minutes out of Ballarat in Warbra in the Pyrenees, so it's actually the first winery as you come from Ballarat into the Pyrenees, so that's uh, Teddy's new project that he's doing, and we're just ticking along out there, doing doing really great things, Um, starting to get a heap of varieties off the off the vines and it's it's just kicking goals. And then we have a little dally, little sandwich deli called Earl's Dally, which is kind of located down a side street, um and just taken off as well. So it's just been I guess as hard as it is with COVID and all that sort of stuff. We still open places and they, they took off and it's just been great. The region Ballarat's really booming and it's it's fantastic to see. It's kind of Eight to ten years ago, you wouldn't probably dream of being able to open that many venues. But yeah, it's just been a it's been a whirlwind couple of years. So,
1: you mentioned the sort of the blip of COVID. Do you treat the venues a bit differently? And have there been positives for you coming out of that kind of experience in that regional setting?
0: Yeah, absolutely. COVID was COVID was tricky, but we we really took the ball and rolled with it. So we we had some of our biggest days we've ever had during covid and and it really taught us taught us what people want and how people want to dine and we've gone back for some we've gone backwards to how we used to do th- things in some sense but in other senses we've we've implemented banquets in some venues where you know we we've just kind of taken covid and ran with it and we tried really hard to just keep providing an option for people in town um, and it yeah it's it's worked well for us it, it was something that, you know, it was scary and everyone was scared, but we just every time we took a hit we'd try to bounce back, you know, twice as twice as well. So yeah, it was um COVID has COVID has taught us a lot and it's been something that I think personally my growth as a chef over COVID, it really taught me that, you know, menus aren't that hard to change and you can be really you can pivot really quickly, and that was something that I think I took from COVID, and it, it shows. In we change the menu every month at Ragazzoni, we change the menus quite often at Moon. So it was something that we found just made it a lot e- not easier. It was a terrible time, but for us, yeah, we we use COVID as a positive as well as a negative, I guess. And-
1: Tell us a little bit about your role, sort of overseeing so many venues that they're all quite different as well. Like, how how do you sort of um, do your job and get the best out of your staff and each venue?
0: Um, my job, my job's quite a floating job to be honest. So, like, I try to set a, I try to set in stone what I'm going to do each day, but obviously staffing issues and all, all that sort of stuff really plays a factor in how my day. Day rolls out, week rolls out, year rolls out. So, my role is menus, um, menus, staff development, uh, just making sure the business is run on a daily level in the kitchen sense, um, and then just yeah, implementing fun new menus that you know Ballarat wants to eat because it's um it's a never changing market up here, and we have to be we have to be right at the head of it. So yeah, my role is just to keep that food constantly changing and evolving and making sure we give people what they want.
1: Well, tell us a little bit about that dish creation. Um, how, how does the pig, for instance, work across sort of the different venues and different menus and cuisines that you're doing? Do you, Can you tell us about the different dishes and way that you use pork?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, we we at any one time, there's often pork on a menu. Um, Moon and Mountain, as I said, for seven years, we've had the sticky pork cock on and it, w- it won't come off the menu. It just… <laughs> If we did, we'd um we'd end up being shot, I reckon. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those favourites that people come here and they eat it and they they love it. So, um, yeah, each menu evolves differently. We've had porchettas on it at Ragazzoni. We've had, you know, all sorts of stuff, cutlets and uh, the tail croquettes made a uh, – made a appearance up at Ragazzoni. So did a pig's head. We did a pig's head, which I thought Ballarat wasn't ready for, but they absolutely loved it. Um, Just, yeah, just trying to utilize it across the venues. Um, I just, as I said, I love using it. And I think when people eat a good bit of pork, there's probably not much better than, than a good bit of pork.
1: It's interesting you talk, say about the pig's head and whether that's too confronting for diners, but they were clearly, the people in Ballarat were ready for it. But how do you cook a pig's head?
0: Um, so we brine it. We give it a good brine um, and then we just slow cook it overnight in a beautiful stock um, and just utilise every single part of the meat on there. Um, and then we're just bringing it all together and, yeah, we've crumbed it before. We've done all sorts of stuff with it. But it's just that – it's that beautiful meat that's been used all the time while they chew and their gel and all that sort of meat. And it's just – I actually don't think there's much better on a pig than the head. If you've had a good bit of pig's head, then I think you've tasted some really beautiful meat, so.
1: Well, you've um, made such an impact with all of these venues, but uh, but I understand there's change afoot for you.
0: Yeah, there is. That's um, – come about over the last kind of three four months i am um, i've been using a local truffle supplier up here black cat truffles for the last few years they make they they harvest a, a fantastic product every year they've got winter and summer truffles and they came to me uh just towards the back end of last year and just said they were looking they were looking to go head back to Melbourne. They've been up here for three years during a tough period of COVID as well. And they were looking for someone to lease the farm, take over the farm from them. Um, it's got a small 24-seat restaurant. And I was, at the time, I was didn't think much of it. They were just putting their feelers out. And then I was laying in bed one night thinking, why couldn't that be me? So yeah, as I said, I've worked pretty hard for seven years and I've got a young family. So the opportunity to move out to a 20-acre farm um, beautiful house that we'll live in, and yeah, cook some cook some pretty honest food in this in the little restaurant while showcasing truffles to the world. I, I couldn't really couldn't really turn that down. So yeah, it's um it's a big move, obviously, because I'll I'll be leaving the group. In saying that, I will be I will be around on a consultancy level. Um, still still holds a really dear place in my heart. Um, the group, but this opportunity was really too good to throw away. So I guess the next stage of my career is looking after my family and being around for them as my boys grow up and my wife and, you know, and then just – moving to the next stage in my career which is hopefully just cooking really beautiful food for a small number of people but in a beautiful setting
1: well tell us a little bit about the truffles that are grown there and um yeah and what you do with the truffle hunts and all sorts of things like that
0: yep so they have black truffles in winter so from june till august and then from early december to late january feb they have uh white truffles so there's there's a row of English oak and lots of rows of French oaks it's um, a uh, yeah beautiful truffery air um, set in the central Highlands so not far from Ballarat um, and just yeah just the opportunity to showcase what truffles are I love I love truffle season and for me to be able to cook out there it's pretty exciting well,
1: take us on a on a truffle hunt what sort of things would people experience so
0: you'll come in. You'll come in on a, it'll, I'll say wintry because it'll be it'll be a cold winter's morning. You'll hopefully be rugged up, um, and you'll we will take the people out through the truffier um, with the dogs. So Tom, Tom, the current owner who I'm leasing the property off, he's going to hang around and teach me everything about truffles. Um, so they've got a beautiful dog Lottie, and we've just purchased a dog Hugo. So teaching people about how truffles, how truffles grow for once, because I think that's a a lot of miss mystery around that um and then how the dogs find them um we'll then people will will gather these truffles people will dig them up and we'll take them back to the restaurant and we'll showcase it in all its glory over six courses in so the morning hunt will do a six course beautiful beautiful menu that's kind of my time to show off a little bit and then the afternoon hunts more more laid-back pizzas. We've got a wood-fired oven out there, so pizzas and charcuterie and, yeah, just and just showcasing local food. I've got, got some great relationships up here with, as I said, Mick Nunn, who's at Salt Kitchen, who does fantastic charcuterie. Um, I've just got great relationships throughout the region, so I just want to showcase as much as I can in the region while showcasing the truffles that we grow on the property. Um, we have a heap of veggie gardens there that my wife's super excited to – get into and start you know setting up for each season um yeah just just really want to cook from the heart and I guess my whole life being a country boy this has kind of been a dream to to be able to just go out into the back and harvest food and you know cook cook from the heart so yeah this is kind of an I guess a nod to where I've come from and where I want to be and we'll just see what evolves from there.
1: Well, it sounds like the sort of dream that a lot of people in food would would have but um, it's in, absolutely incredible. Tell us a little bit about this simple sort of cookery that you're going to do you know you're you're in at the helm of sort of this group with very different food offerings and um what sort of dishes and will we see pork sort of weave through that menu yes absolutely pork will pork will always play an integral part in my menu so um
0: i I guess I'm going to cook. I've, as you say, I've been cooking, you know, pretty intensely across all these different cuisines for a while. Um, and when I write menus, I'm having to go from Asian to Italian, and you know, and for me now, this is probably taking me back to just cooking one way and just you know cooking from the heart. It'll be it'll be honest cooking, uh, I hope, and it'll be it'll be stuff that I love to eat. I never try to put something on my menu that I don't love to eat. But yeah, just just bringing it down to I guess cooking for 24 people, it's a lot different than cooking for big numbers. So, the things I can do, the way I present the food, everything will will probably elevate, I'll elevate it slightly, you know, and just take it to a level that I i just want people to feel comfortable and I want them to enjoy the food. It, it won't be anything too crazy. It'll just be, you know, honest cooking. I think there's a lot of, you know, like the Andy Smithers of the world who just, cook honestly and you know everything's she's using the best produce and that's what I'm going to try to do I'm just going to try to get the best produce and use it to the best of my ability so yeah but pork will definitely show big showcase throughout it I think I'm my first I'm doing Friday a la carte lunches out there and I think I've got two pork I- items on there already so
1: <laughs> yeah well it sounds extraordinary when when is this likely to sort of um be open to the public and up and running?
0: So we take over, we move out there May 12th and truffle season starts June the 3rd. So we, yeah, we have open bookings uh, a week ago and it's been pretty outstanding, the response so far. Um, So yeah, June 3rd is our first truffle hunt on the Saturday morning. And then we have an afternoon one on the Saturday, one on the uh, morning hunt on the Sunday, afternoon hunt on the Sunday. So we we will, um, I think... We'll do a bit of a dry run late May um, with family and friends and then we'll, we'll go from there. I'm just hoping to hit the ground running. I, um, I think my years of experience, I should be able to nail it straight away. So, yeah, just excited to get out there and start putting my stamp on it. And, yeah, it's uh, – It's a pretty nerve-wracking time, but also terribly excited. So,
1: yeah, I mean, after being at the helm of such important institutions uh, in Ballarat, like, how are you feeling about having your own sort of little um, patch in the country?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. As I said, I'm really excited, and I'm. I'm just. I'm just keen to get out there. I think, as you say, I've been doing. I've been working alongside other people for a long time, so I guess this is my time to showcase who I am and you know not that I haven't been doing that but this is really just a stamp from me and to show this is everything I've learned of my career so yeah just bringing everything together that I've learned and just trying to make people happy that's the end game every day so.
1: Well Liam it sounds absolutely extraordinary and um, can't wait to see uh, what you do there on the farm and it's been an absolute honor to have you today on the crackling to hear just a part of your story
0: yeah it's been fantastic i really appreciate you inviting me on it's um a bit of an honor to be invited on so i thank you for that
1: well we'll have to catch up again soon down the track and see how you're going out at the truffle farm absolutely that'd be fantastic this is the crackling a deep in the weeds production in partnership with pork stars i'm anthony huxtep Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.